Can I add my welcome to you? My name is Simon Harris. I am the Bishop of Burlington, an, an, honorary, an honorary title. An, an honorary title bestowed on me by the Archbishop of Ipswich International Church, uh, Harold Afflew. And I understand there's some vicars and things around the corner too. Hey, God bless you. Um, we are in the uh, middle, well we started last week, uh, a new series at Burlington called uh, The Agenda. And uh, we're going to keep going with it this morning, if that's all right with you, because it's a, a perfect fit for what I believe God wants to say to us together, all together this morning. If you're tweeting, hashtag Church United or hashtag The Agenda is what we're using uh, week by week, and you can see it uh, on the screen, hopefully, behind me there. The big idea for our series is this, that Jesus didn't pray and then go and live, and he didn't just live and sometimes pray, but Jesus' prayer came out of his life, and Jesus' life came out of his prayer. There was a seamless interconnection for Jesus between the way that he prayed, his relationship with his Father, and what he did, the way that he lived, and the things that he did. So when the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, they are saying to Jesus so much more. They're saying, teach us to live like you. Teach us to operate out of that same seamless connection. Teach us to share your rhythm, or in the words of our series, to embrace your agenda. And then we know he gives them the Lord's Prayer. This is the agenda. This is the way to pray. This is the way to live. This is the life of seamless interconnectedness between father and child. And last week we looked at father because we are all amazingly true in Jesus, children of God. Is there a believer in the house? Children of God. And this week, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just a prayer to be prayed, but a life to be lived, an agenda to be shared, to be embraced, to prioritize our lives. So the fundamental question I want to ask this morning is this, what does it mean to embrace God's kingdom in our lives? What does it mean for you to embrace God's kingdom in your life? Not just what does it mean to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. But what does it mean to live each day, every moment, as a prayer, your life as a longing. Lord, your kingdom come in and through me, here and now. May heaven touch earth, here and now, through my life, through all that I'm sharing in. Your will be done. Maybe if you read the stuff that we produced before this service, which is no one. No one reads anything, notices adverts, no one bothers, do they? I'm amazed we're all here, well done. You would, have thought, you would have thought that it was to do with hope. And it's absolutely, this morning, to do with hope. God's kingdom is the only hope. God's rule and reign is the only hope for messed up lives, broken, hurting people, for lives that are lost and alienated from God, God's kingdom is the only hope for your life and mine. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's absolutely everything to do with hope. And when God's kingdom is established on earth, it will be heaven on earth. Hallelujah. And that's our hope. That's what we pray for. That's what we live for. That's what God's called us to. This is the agenda that we are called to embrace, that God's kingdom, his rule and reign, should spread throughout the earth. Anyone in? Now, let's think about God extending kingdoms, or for, for a moment, perhaps nations extending kingdoms, and how the whole thing works. If an earthly kingdom is going to spread to extend its territory, to push out its borders, it will start where it is and move out. That's why in our history there are so many skirmishes between the English and the Scots and the English and the Welsh and the English and the French because English king says, how can I extend my border? Wales. How can I extend my border? Scotland. Bold English king, how can I extend my border? France. Ooh la la. (laughs) Starting where they are, they move out from where they are. So if Suffolk wants to extend its border, it's going to take over Norfolk. (laughs) The largest cheer in the house so far this morning (laughs) is about Suffolk taking over Norfolk. Essex? No one wants Essex. Get those tweeted pretty fast. (laughs) Start with the territory that you have and move out from there. Just as an aside, it's interesting to think how churches think about extending their territory and extending their borders. Churches tend to say, we want to extend our borders so we want more people to come in. It's a bit like an English king saying, I want to reign over more people. I want a bigger kingdom. I'm going to get all the Welsh people to live in England. It would make England a much better place. (laughs) But it's a, a ridiculous strategy for kingdom expansion, isn't it? And what have we said? We want to extend our borders, so we want more people to come into our country. But that's not how kingdoms are extended. Main idea. You extend your kingdom from moving out from the territory that you have. So where is the territory that we have? Where is God's kingdom currently? Well, Jesus answered that question. He said, you know, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be seen. People will go, well, where is it? Is it here or is it there? No. Why? Because the kingdom of God is together in your midst. Where is the kingdom? The kingdom is in you and in me. Boom! (laughs) Turn to the person next to you and say, it's absolutely mind-blowing, I know, but God's kingdom is in you. Go! So what's that got to do with hope? It's got everything because you, my friends, are the hope of the world. You, my friends, are the hope of the world. Not because of you, but because of the one who is in you. 
Because God's everlasting, resurrected, never-ending, all-powerful kingdom is in us. Boom! That's it. No wonder the church needs to arise. No wonder we need to cry to God to extend the borders of his kingdom because it's in us. Paul put it like this. To them God has chosen. God's chosen you and me to be his children and to be part of his kingdom building to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mission mystery which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. So first big point this morning. God's kingdom is surprising. Very surprising because God's kingdom is surprising because it's made up of surprising people. I don't mean God's kingdom is surprising people. Ha! God's kingdom. Ha! God's kingdom. Made you jump. Ha! But it's surprising because God's kingdom resides in surprising people, in weird people, strange people. Look at us. Look around. Look around. No, no, I said look around. No, no, so, so good Christians. Look around. Look around. Look around. Okay, last time, look around. Come on, look around. God's kingdom is in us, everybody. We are the hope of the world, weird people. Paul put it like this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were. Think of what you were, lost in darkness, and embrace what you are called to. Not many of you are wise by human standards or influential. Not many of you have noble birth, but God chose you. The foolish, messed up things of the world. Chose the weak things to shame the strong. God's kingdom is in surprising people. Now, let's draw some of these threads together. A kingdom extends its territory into areas around its borders, yeah? If God's kingdom is in you, the kingdom will be extended into areas around you. Are you with me? Which means God's kingdom breaks out where you are. Where you are, not where the church is, where you are. And therefore, it will break out, won't it, in some very surprising places. And isn't that the truth? The gospel broke out in the backwater of a Roman Empire. The gospel broke out in poor villages. It broke out in and around brothels and on street corners. It broke out in the marketplace, down by the lake. It broke out where the people hung out and did business. Forget the palaces. Forget the great institutions and the powers that be. God's kingdom was on the street and in people's homes and down by the lake, the supermarket of the day. So could it be that God's kingdom could break out somewhere near you? Yes. Yes. The kingdom is in you. And the next obvious place for it to break out, is somewhere around you. And we're already in all kinds of surprising places. And imagine what that might mean 
for God's kingdom to break out somewhere near you. Imagine God's kingdom breaking out around us because God's kingdom, secondly, is not just surprising, but God's kingdom is spectacular. People are healed. The crowds are fed. The poor are honoured. The outcasts are welcomed. The lepers are cleansed. Funerals are stopped. Even dead people rise. And lives are changed. Never to be the same again. Or as Jesus put it, verse on the slide. When John sent his messengers and said, Hey, I, what, what, can I be sure? Jesus said, look at the kingdom. Look at the signs of the kingdom. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Or as Jesus put it in his manifesto, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Good news to the poor. Freedom for prisoners, recovery for the blind, for the oppressed, to proclaim this is God's favour. The kingdom changes lives. And that's why the kingdom changes families and marriages and parenting. And the kingdom transforms streets and neighbourhoods. And the kingdom is the hope of the world. And it's in you. His surprising, spectacular kingdom is in you. And it will extend from you. And so we don't just pray, your kingdom come. We live with all our beings, your kingdom come. Your will be done, longing for the kingdom in us to break out, to multiply all around us. Because that's how kingdoms are extended. How do we do that? How do we get the kingdom out of us and into there? How do we get the kingdom to break out in and through our lives, not surprisingly, Jesus had a thing or two to say about getting the kingdom out. Three parables that talk, more than three, but three this morning, that talk about getting the kingdom out. This is one. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus offers a profound model for the kingdom breaking out in our lives. It's not by force. It's not by the sword. It's not by shouting at everyone. It's not by conjoling or manipulating. God's surprising, spectacular kingdom is thirdly a subversive kingdom. A subversive kingdom. Like yeast that is in the corner of the dough and slowly, almost imperceptibly, is worked through the whole dough. A culture, a kingdom that we have is partly in a corner and it begins to work its way subversively through the dough. Jesus was the subversive revolutionary par excellence. You would have expected him to go to the kings and the queens. You would have expected him to walk the corridors of power. But the most influential man who ever lived took his yeast, worked it into the dough of 12 other men. He took his influence and he began to work it into the dough. 
And he worked it into that dough so effectively that those 12 men went on to do the same. And the yeast has been working through the dough for 2,000 years and it is unstoppable until he comes again. If anyone could have ordered people about and stood on a soapbox and made demands and argued a case, Jesus could have done it. But he said there's a better, a richer, a deeper way. Take the yeast of the kingdom and work it into the dough. When we forgive someone who has hurt us in the office where there is backbiting and bitching, the kingdom breaks out. And the idols and gods of this age are subverted. When we reach a handout to the lost, the lonely, the hurting, the despised, the kingdom breaks out. And the gods and idols and rulers of this world are subverted. When we offer grace to a neighbor, share the difference Jesus makes in our lives. Celebrate purity and promote all that's good. The gods and idols of this age are subverted and the kingdom is being worked into the dough. Each time we are working the yeast, the kingdom that God has given us into the dough of our culture. And do you know the brilliant thing? God will do the rest. Because fourthly, God's kingdom is supernatural. And Jesus told another parable to remind us how it works. He says, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters some seed in the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. It's as if it happens by magic. And as we sow the kingdom, as we put our yeast into the dough, God will cause it to grow because it's a supernatural kingdom and God knows what he's doing and he's made all things good in his time to grow and to flourish. Who was hacked off that a dog won Britain's Got Talent? I'm yet to recover the complete... The British public know what they're doing. Remember that chap who did the magic? You go, wow, how did that happen? It's not magic when the kingdom grows. We might still ask, how does it happen? This is how it happens. God is supernaturally at work when you and I sow the yeast of God's kingdom in our lives into the dough. One of the most subversive things that you can do to release the growth of God's supernatural kingdom, is to pray. And when the Royal George Pub started advertising their clairvoyant and psychic evenings, a few of our guys decided it was time for some subversive action. And they started to pray. And Liam's going to come and tell us what happened as they started to pray. A supernatural kingdom... Hello everyone. Um, Yeah, John, he's not here today. He was biking to work and he noticed the signs up and he kept saying to himself, I need to do something about this. So he got me on the phone and we spoke about it and we said the next time this was up, we were going to go in. So 
we go into this pub. Ephesians 6 talks about our battle is not about flesh and blood. So we covered ourselves in prayer. He came out to mine and we prayed and, and we said, Lord, we want you to do something tonight. We went there for about eight months and we had conversations with psychics, with just people generally doing readings. About four months ago, um, on this occasion, there was Matt, who's in the audience somewhere. I don't know where he is. Matt, there he is, he's up there. We had a real exuberance that night. We are like, Lord, we want you to do something. We want you to do something amazing. So we went there as we did over the last eight months. Um, as we were sitting there, bearing in mind there's people eating dinner, there's waiters just going around, just doing what they do. And I felt the Spirit speak to me, saying that somebody needed healing in their arm. So we were praying for who it was going to be. So as the night went on towards the end of the night, the psychics are starting to pack up. Anyway, the man organising the event is looking really uncomfortable. And I look around, I'm like, that's him. It's that man. That's the guy organising it. So I just went up to him and I just said, this is going to sound random, but have you got pain in your arm? And at first he looked at me and like, sorry. <laughs> he he was looked a bit amazed and a bit shocked. But then I mentioned I was a Christian and I said, God has revealed to me that you have pain in your arm. And he said, yeah, I've had pain in my arm for about 30 years. And I said, we're going to pray. Bearing in mind, there's people eating dinner. There's people just doing what they do. And I'm just standing in the middle of a pub, a weird, as Simon said we are, weird people, just standing in a pub. And I pray for him. And every, I pray for him three times. And every time he said, I can feel something different here. I've never felt this before. And I just praise God for the, the power that we walk around with, about what Simon's talking about, the kingdom. So at the end of the night, I just said, look, I'm going to embarrass you again. Can you just do something you haven't done before? So the guy organising the event is waving his arm around. And he's like, I've, I've never done this. I've never done this. And he's just, he's shaking my hand, he's hugging me. And he's just really happy. So we kept going for a couple of months and we were seeking people and talking to people again. And about two months later... Um, bearing in mind this gentleman hadn't been there the previous times we'd been and he came over to us and I just gave him a massive hug and he just said oh, my life's been amazing since we met last time he was telling his parents how he's, his arm had been healed that he'd been touched by Jesus Christ and he was just a different man it was just incredible to see um, as the night went on we were me and Matt on this occasion were just sitting there he comes over with a psychic and we think, we're going to get a reading here. <laughs> so, to my our amazement, he, he said, I want to introduce you to a couple of my friends. This lady has severe headaches for years. And he said, can you pray for my lady? I said, yeah, of course. So again, we sit in the pub, people eating dinner, walking around. I just put my hand on the head. I said, Lord, just touch this lady. And she said, I can feel, I can feel something, I can feel whatever you're doing, I can feel. And I was saying, that's the Holy Spirit, that's my Jesus. He's, do, he's, he's encountering with you right now. And afterwards, I, I have to laugh, she got up and said, I just want to go dancing. I've never felt my head so free. <laughs> so, um, I, I just want to finish, and in Mark 16, it says that signs will accompany those who believe and I mean, I'm looking around and seeing all believers here, so just make yourself available and let God move.
not just pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, but live it in your ordinary, everyday lives. Who's excited about what Jesus can do in and through his church, his people, because his kingdom is in us? If that's you, remember, and lastly, the kingdom of God starts small. Final parable, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. The smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds can come and many can perch within its branches. It starts small, which means all of us can start, which means every one of us is in. Because what starts small and simple as an act of subversion, God will supernaturally cause to grow as we work the yeast of his kingdom into the dough of our culture. And so a few years ago, Connor, one of our guys, said to me, what about all the people who walk past this church on a Sunday morning? I've counted, there are 120. I was really cross. It meant he wasn't listening to my sermon. (laughs) Get in here, mate. What if, what if I offered them a cup of tea and we see see what God does? We've seen people healed. We've seen lives transformed. We've seen people never to be the same again because of a simple, a simple, single act of subversion. Sometimes God does more out there in a Sunday morning than he does in here. God's kingdom is on the street. God's kingdom is on the street. A while ago, Elizabeth said to me, I love to sew. What if we set up a time and we set up some sewing machines and we said to folk, just bring your sign projects and we'll do it together. Because people talk and open up, don't they, when they're doing something together. And three years on, a whole vibrant community has burst into life that's seeing God at work and answering prayers. Tomorrow night, if you want to come to a curry night, quick plug, uh, fundraiser for us. We're taking a team of young people to Romania, Baptist church that we're twin to in Bucharest. Roma children don't get an education, so they never get out of the cycle of poverty. What if we started to give them an education, set a few Christians in that church, and they began a school in their basement? Now we have a fully functioning school, healthcare provision, educational provision, right through the years for those children. And some of our young people are going to go out and serve there for a week. Why? Because they started something that was simple. They started small with what they had. Or Sherry. Sherry's the only one who is on record of saying she did something after one of my sermons. And, and she went down the road um, uh, and she knocked on the door of a house that houses young people, 16 plus, that have spent most, if not all, of their lives in care. And she knocked on the door and she said, would you like a Christmas party? What would it mean if I could come and do a Christmas party in your home? And then several years on, we're taking a group of some of the most disadvantaged young people in Ipswich uh, away to France in a few weeks' time to learn to be family to learn what it means to know God and to visit the war graves so that we can talk about ultimate sacrifice and a love that gives to the end. How cool is that? Starts with something small and simple and grows because God's kingdom supernaturally grows when we sow our yeast. And you've got your examples. Esau, the sanctuary, Other things that you shared already this morning that you are doing. A simple idea, a small part. So what small thing do you have to sow? Not what do you need, but what have you already got 
But the Spirit of God is inviting you to sow today. Because you are part of his supernatural, spectacular kingdom. That as we subvert the kingdoms of this world, things will supernaturally happen from small beginnings. In a moment or two, we're going to sing a song, The Lord's My Shepherd, We Know It Well. Traditionally, a psalm of great comfort and, uh, and reassurance. It talks about God providing as our shepherd and protecting us as our shepherd. But don't miss the middle bit. The shepherd longs to lead his sheep to richer pasture. That's the job of the shepherd, to take the sheep to richer pastures. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. A right path is not which house shall I buy, this one or that one, although it could be God's interested in that. Not where should I work, there or here, or how do I get a job, which job is for me, although sometimes God's interested very much in those things. It's not about should we have two children or six. The right path is his kingdom path for our lives. His right path for you and for me is to be kingdom agents, bringers in of his kingdom. And that's why there's the anointing. He doesn't anoint our head with oil so we can sit there. He anoints our head with oil that we might be released as kingdom changes in the world. That's the right path and that's the anointing. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. Perhaps the band could come. If God is speaking to you this morning, if you know what God is saying and you're saying, yes, I'm being challenged to sow something or to keep sowing something. I know what God's saying. We'd love in this moment to pray with you. It's a precious moment, isn't it? So I'm going to invite you to stand. If you're hearing God speak to you in this moment and you know what he's asking of you, yeah, I'm going to... People stand all over the room. The rest of you are either sowing everything in your lives or you're still working it out. That's fine. Don't stand just because I say. That's the reality of it. We've all got God's supernatural kingdom in our lives. Would you pray just now for those that are around you? Reach out a hand to those. Lord, we're asking for the right paths and we're asking for the Holy Spirit's anointing on these people that they might sow in faith. That they might work their yeast into the dough, knowing that almost by magic, but it's your supernatural kingdom, the kingdom will grow and lives will be changed forever. So pour out your anointing on these people, Lord, we pray. Pour out your blessing on them this morning. Give them clarity about what they've got in their hands. Give them clarity about what they need to sow. And sometimes it takes us through really dark valleys. For people going through a dark valley this morning, we pray they'll know your presence with them. Rod and staff, would you comfort them? Because there is the promise of greener pasture. There is the promise of richer meadows as the shepherd guides us. Jesus, would your spirit fall in this place?